This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. Tanner Waldo Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley till May. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and brought to you by Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we're going to talk to the former CEO of Canadian Western Agribition, Chris Lane, about his time in the position. And APAS released its discussion paper on the next policy framework. And we have part three of that interview. And we'll also talk to a Saskatchewan scientist who gave a presentation to members of Parliament on the House of Commons Agriculture Committee. The Market Report, Resource Report and Farm Weather is in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Culture today with 620 CKRM News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778 and brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your water well wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Canadian Western Agribition will be beginning its search for a new CEO as Chris Lane has left the role. Lane will be the new president and CEO for Economic Development Regina. Lane reflected back on his time as the CEO. Um, well, there's a lot, Tanner. I think that's the, the best thing about the job is that it's so diverse and you get to do and be a part of so many different things, not only in the community of Regina and the, and the area, but also in the agriculture community, and that really is worldwide. So I've had a ton of experiences and met a ton of great people that I otherwise wouldn't have had the chance chance to meet. Uh, and, uh, you know, if I was going to say one thing about it, it, it really is the people, you know, whether it's exhibitors who come every year or partners that we get, you know, to visit with uh, around their business needs or traveling the world and, and, and flying Canadian agriculture's flag in, you know, all over the place. It's been it's been a fantastic five years or six years to be able to do that and, and, and really honored to be part of that community. And in your time as CEO, how have you seen Agribition grow and expand and also change over those really close to six years that you were at the helm? Well, I think in the literal sense, growth and change, you know, when I came into the job here, we were in the middle of a of major renovations and teardowns of old buildings and, commissioning and building the brand new uh, ITC that was all new we we weren't done that yet when I when I came into the job so the challenge in the first year or two was really reorganize agribition around a brand new physical footprint so that was obviously about growth and change and I think we've done a pretty good job of that and then I think in the other sense you know agribition has has grown to be more of a year-round operation we've started multiple initiatives like virtual education or a mentorship program that really have us working in the agriculture community 12 months a year. So we're not just a six-day event anymore. And I think that's a, an important piece to Agribition's viability in the future is that we all of the things that we are experts in and all of, the, all of the things we advocate for, we can do that for far longer and far wider than than just six days in November, even though that remains the heart and soul of what we do. 
And obviously you led Agribition through the COVID-19 pandemic and being a show that requires people to attend, to be successful, was that the biggest challenge that you faced in your time as CEO? I think it certainly was the most unique one. Uh, Certainly it was the hardest uh, thing to get through in the history of the organization, I would say, financially, but also you know, from just a business model, when you get into something like, like we've all been through in the pandemic, I don't know that anybody knew exactly how and when, or even if it has ended. Um, so it's, it just throws a lot of uncertainty into an organization like this, who's built on events and bringing people together. You know, how was it like to lead through it? It was really all about trying to make sure that whenever we came out of it, we were still whole as an organization and we still have the capability to, to put on the show and be the marketplace for the business that, that really the whole thing is built around. So there was, you know, protecting of people and assets and ideas and strategies that we needed to make sure could outlast the pandemic. Uh, and then we needed to manage the finances and resources in a way that allowed us to turn it back on when it was time to turn it back on. And, and I think we did both of those things. And you're right, there's a, there's a financial loss associated with that, but based on the different modeling we had done we're you know we're confident that that we came out as best as we could like i've said before we we live to fight another day at agribition the management of the business up until this point has been strong enough that you know we can absorb the loss and continue to do agribition without having to take a step backwards we'll be back with more from chris lane back to saskatchewan agriculture today with jim smalley on 620 ckrm This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eaves troughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesTroughs.ca And by Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms and feeding families in Cupar, Ituma, Lipton, and Strasburg. For the last six years, Chris Lane has served as the CEO for Canadian Western Exhibition. He will be parting ways with the role in heading to Economic Development Regina. Though Lane is leaving, he gave us a preview about what is to come when Agribition rolls into Regina in late November. I think the, the best thing about Agribition is that, one, it's, it's resilient, and two, it's flexible. So um, while we've built, at this point, a show that's really built around the core pieces of Agribition that people have come to know and love around the professional rodeo and the shopping and the trade show and the education program uh, and all the food. And then of course, all the livestock as well. Um, You know, those will all be there and they'll be as strong as ever. I think what we wanted to do was make sure we had enough flexibility, both in the planning and in the schedule and budget that if there were opportunities uh, to come up around entertainment, we could, we could jump on them uh, without having to to tie us into anything just yet uh, as we still come out of the pandemic. So I think, you know, if I was going to distill it, it is, uh, it's sort of a return to the best parts of agribition. And from a business sense, it's really important for us to come back and be able to put a show together that at its core, uh, we know can still draw a crowd and can still be profitable. And Chris, how have you felt that you've positioned Agribition to be stronger heading into uh, the future? You know, I think, first of all, it's always a team effort to get, you know, any successes uh, that we own at Agribition, we own as a group, whether that's volunteers or the board or the staff. So uh, my privilege was being able to be around here and, and help lead it to a, a space where, like I said, we have we have far more year-round opportunities around, you know, the kind of business that we do. But we also have, I think, grown our sense and our stature as an important piece of the fabric of the community. And I think it becomes, 
you know, easier for people to spend time with us uh, as, as we sort of become an unmistakable or, or unmissable part of, of the yearly calendar in Regina. So I think we've grown that. I, I think we've grown our, our place in the community. Uh, I certainly think we've grown our, our importance in the international agribusiness market uh, in the last five years. And I think we've really proven to ourselves and to our stakeholders that Agribition is is not a one-dimensional organization. It's a it's year-round and it's nimble and it's strategic around building business and and growing people within agriculture and uh, within the community here in Saskatchewan. And as your time is coming to an end, Chris, do you got any departing words about either what Agribition means to you or just kind of about Agribition in general? You know, maybe I would just say this, is that Agribition is such a special place and it's such a special event that I don't know that it ever really leaves you or you really never leave it. Um, so I look forward to contributing to the organization in, in whatever way I can in a different capacity. It's um, it's something special. I hope all the people that it serves and all the people that have taken it in over the years uh, always understand. They never lose the idea of what they've got here in the city because it is something special. And I can tell you, that around the world, people know about Agribition, and uh, we should hold our hold our chin up when we talk about it because it is a very unique uh, event, and it's a very special organization, not only to Saskatchewan but in the world. And as you depart from Canadian Western Agribition, you'll be the new president and CEO for Economic Development Regina. Just talk about what you're excited for with your new role. Sure. Well, it, it is an exciting position. I think um, it's an exciting point in the city and region's history uh, in terms of economic development. We've got a, a critical mass of momentum around agriculture and agribusiness and the kind of things that we can attract here uh, based on the strengths we have and events like Agribition and, and Canada's Farm Show that become a huge part of, of advocating for that business. Um, really, there's there's a whole bunch of cohesion around what a future economic boom can be built around in Regina. And that's what really attracted me to the role at this particular time. And um, it's a great organization when I think we're just on the cusp of something so good here in Regina around economic development. And it's exciting to be a part of it. That was the former CEO for Canadian Western Agribition, Chris Lane. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. It's time for another edition of the Beef Market Update with Ann Wasco of the Gateway Livestock Exchange. Give us an update on what's happened in the cash trade. Well, I guess slow grind higher, which I guess that's the right direction for a change. In the U.S., we saw... Southern trade up a buck to 139 earlier in the week. And then yesterday in the north at Nebraska region, 142, 144 live. That meant 226 dressed. Those prices kind of two to four higher than last week in, in Nebraska. So good trend in both key cattle feeding regions in the U.S. The choice cutout also, that slow grind higher, as we talked about two weeks ago. It was up a buck last night to 272 and change. On the choice and the flex back about 13 bucks a hundred. So, you know, things moving the right direction. You wouldn't call it um, explosive, but um, moving the right direction. 
Swinging back to here in Canada, Western uh, Fed cattle trade this week also picked up two bucks dressed um, at to two seventy seven delivered in Alberta. That's going to leave that live equivalent average that Canfax calculates to up about a buck and a half from last week to around that one sixty five live. And just for those keeping track in Ontario, price is pretty steady there, two ninety dressed this week. Um, so steady with last week. So that's kind of the snapshot on the on the cattle front. So prices. Yeah, basically cattle feeders still looking at negative margins. Negative margins, still a basis wider than we would like to see. Um, and uh, like we talked two weeks ago, just the market's simply running out of time to have anything kind of explosive happen to it in terms of upward movement. But as long as we can chip in, keep chipping away and, and maybe hold this market together a little longer, that, that might be the, on the wish list now than versus you know, a big rally up and big rally down again. Yeah, what do we need for this basis to get more in our favor from the producer's perspective? That needs to be front-end supply. And, um, you know, I do, I do want to, um, I was going to bring up our, you know, we just recently, Canfax recently released their April 1 cattle on feed report. And it still talks about that big front-end supply that's been, you know, over us. Sean, we've talked about since last fall, since the drought run, you know, really, you know, saw those those feedlot numbers increase quite substantially, and we're still in that frame. So April 1 cattle on feed, according to Canfax for Alberta and Saskatchewan, still up 10% from last year. At the same time, though, I think, you know, give credit where credit's due. Cattle feeders are, are, are moving fed cattle um, every which way they can. Uh, Q1 uh, 2022 fed cattle marketings look like, and this, when I talk about marketing, that's slaughter plus exports. So both, both pieces of that, um, that pie looks like we're going to end up, um, when the final data comes in, could be up close to 9%. So that's a, that's a busy first quarter. Cattle feeders have been selling the heck out of fed cattle. Um, but the storyline is we got to keep doing it to get that front end cleaned up, to get that basis firmed up. And while we're talking about exports, let's talk about those live cattle exports, because obviously shipping live cattle to the U.S. is one of those critical outlets for Canadian cattle. Since you brought it up, Sean, let's just backtrack one little step when you're talking about live cattle exports. One of the pieces of information we did get here in the last week was some stats can numbers on live cattle movement. Mm. So, and so this is for January or for February, but I'll, I'll kind of give you where we are so far in 2022. So for two months, we do have those fed cattle exports up 4% from last year. So you would have seen some of those trucks, you know, moving south like you saw. Um, cow exports for the first two months of this year are also up 3%. But the story really is feeder cattle exports. They are um, up about three and a half times what they were in the first quarter of last year. Now, I've done a bit of a ANS estimate for March, so we can talk about Q1. But it, it, to me, it looks like that number is going to come in around 80 to 82,000 head of feeder cattle moving south in Q1. At the same time, Sean, another update from StatsCan, we had feeder cattle imports down 40% so far this year, um, or kind of estimated for Q1. So it means for the first time in a long time, Canada's moved back to that net export of feeder cattle. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source, 620 CKRM. 
The official 620 CKRM farm weather forecast is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan, call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866 and buy Moose Jaw Truck Shop. The number one choice for any diesel engine repair, drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today it's sunny with a high of plus 5 with that increasing to cloudiness late this evening. Tonight there's a low of minus 4 with wind chill of minus 12 overnight. Tomorrow we get another taste of winter weather with periods of light snow. Those are set to end in the afternoon with the temperature steady near minus 1, though the wind is gusting to 70. Tomorrow night there's a low of minus 5. On Wednesday it's cloudy with a 60% chance of showers with a high of 6 and a low of minus 4. Thursday a high of plus 4 and a low of minus 1. And on Friday there's periods of rain and a high of plus 4 with that switching to a 60% chance of rain showers or flurries on Friday night. The normal high for today is 13 degrees and the normal low is minus 1. Sunrise was at 559 and sunset is at 757. Around the province at this hour in Estevan it's minus 9, Yorkton minus 2, Swift Current comes in an even, Moose Jaw plus 2, Weyburn's the cold spot in the province at minus 10 and in Regina it's minus 1. We'll be back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. The Agriculture Producers Association of Saskatchewan has released its discussion paper on the next policy framework. In part three of an interview with Task Force Chair Bill Prybilski from Willowbrook, just west of Yorkton, he says agri-insurance needs to see livestock price insurance premium cost sharing and expansion to other sectors. So right now the Western Livestock uh, Price Insurance Program is solely funded by the by the livestock producers and it's only available in Western Canada for cattle. Um, we would like to see it obviously ex extended to other species like sheep and, and goats and, um, and you know, the, the crop insurance program is jointly funded by federal, provincial and producers and we are hoping that this livestock program would help the livestock producers by the uh, the two levels of government sharing in the premium cost, as as I mentioned right now, it's borne solely by the producers. I understand you would also like to see the expanded use of uh, weather-based technology. So right now, the Western Livestock uh, Price Insurance Program is solely funded by the by the livestock producers, and it's only available in Western Canada for cattle. Um, we would like to see it obviously ex extended to other species like sheep and, and goats and, um, and you know, the, the crop insurance program is jointly funded by federal, provincial and producers and we are hoping that this livestock program would help the livestock producers by the, uh, 
the two levels of government sharing in that premium cost. As, as I mentioned right now, it's borne solely by the producers. You also have some recommendations for research and uh, innovation. There's been a lot of studies as to how much of a, of a return comes back to producers when, when research dollars are invested properly. And, you know, we would like to see that research dollars continue to be invested. We would like to see, you know, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of more emphasis on some of the, some of the smaller minor crops. Uh, if, if climate change does affect the, the growing conditions as some people are forecasting, then we need to be researching other crops that may be viable in, in our neck of the woods down the road and, and research dollars invested into some of those minor crops may pay huge dividends down the road. What are your recommendations on the environment and uh, climate change? The environmental issues is, is not just an agriculture issue and that yes, agriculture needs to do its part, but but the, you know, maybe some of the funding for some of the climate climate incentive programs should be funded or partially funded from from other departments of the government like like the environment and you know asking farmers to bear the whole cost of environmental programming is you know, probably not realistic and, and there needs to be a sharing of some of that responsibility is there anything else you would uh, like to add not specifically about the programs but uh, you know recognizing that over overall these programming the funding for it hasn't increased there's been no increases to the funding since 2013 when the program was actually been cut so the bottom line is we need to see these programs properly funded and uh, you know, the best intentions in the world aren't going to do anything if there isn't the money there to back them so we need these programs properly funded and they need to be responsive to farmers needs that was bill perliski of willowbook and he's the chair of the apas task force on the next policy framework you're tuned to saskatchewan agriculture today on the source 620 ckrm this segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Dagelman Industries. Look to Dagelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market and buy Arcola Building Supplies. Small town lumberyard, big on service, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. Farmers need to be recognized for past contributions to storing carbon in the soil. That was one of the three main points in a short five-minute presentation to members of Parliament on the House of Commons Agriculture Committee. The message did not come from a farmer or a farm organization. It was delivered by a soil scientist who is also the Dean of College of Agriculture and Bioresources at the University of Saskatchewan. Angela Bernard Hahn says 81% of the country's farmland is located on the prairies and much of it already plays a role in storing carbon through measures such as zero till and reduced tillage. Soil management can be, and in many areas already is, part of the solution to climate change. But we need to be sure we have the resources and tools available to meaningfully quantify carbon sequestration. Implementing policy based on soil carbon levels will require rigorous measurement and monitoring standards that recognizes these sources of spatial and temporal variability. 
The federal government wants to encourage new carbon-saving measures such as regenerative agriculture and is not planning to recognize efforts prior to 2005. We also need to find a way to reward those who have been doing the right thing for a while, incentivizing continued best practices to be sure that the carbon they have already accumulated stays sequestered and not simply focus on new carbon accumulation from 2005. Here in the West, no-till has resulted in tremendous improvements in soil health since its widespread adoption in the 80s and 90s. But early adopters were part of the solution decades before we set an arbitrary baseline of 2005. So how can we reward those early adopters as well as encouraging late adopters to get on board? Bernard Hahn says implementation of policy based on soil carbon levels will require rigorous measurements and monitoring standards. One example that comes to mind is proposals that involve removal of crop residue from fields to produce energy. This would serve to reduce the amount of carbon returned to the soil and ultimately result in a net loss of soil carbon as, as carbon dioxide. We need to think about agriculture as a system. Henry Jansen from Ag Canada most eloquently described the soil as a conduit for the soil energy captured through photosynthesis. If we lose sight of the full cycle, we run the risk of undoing past benefits or worse. This was Bernard Hahn's concluding message to the All-Party Agriculture Committee. Prairie researchers and farmers are already part of the climate change solution and are willing and able to do more. But we need the right tools to track our progress, the recognition that there's no one-size-fits-all approach for a country like Canada, and the policy to support meaningful action, including recognition of what's already been done. Angela Bernard-Hahn is a soil scientist and dean of the University of Saskatchewan's College of Agriculture and Bioresources. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Your Market Update is brought to you by Fry's Tallman Lumber. Purchase your all-weather windows with installation from Fry's Tallman before April 27th and you'll save 15%. Looking at the markets, Durham at 551, feed barley at 362, canola is up seven points to 1104, flax at 1291, lentils 932, oats at 391, yellow peas at 628, feed wheat at 378, and one red spring wheat is at up 17 and a half to 517. We'll be back in a moment. It's the livestock reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn at 842-4574. Now the latest Livestock Quotes. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee bringing the market report direct from Heartland and Swift Current. We had 500 cattle on offer last week. All class of cattle selling steady. D1 and 2 cows were $90 to $1.05, up to $1.07. D3 cows, 75 to 88 Good bulls. Dollar ten to dollar twenty-seven and a half. Medium bulls ninety to dollar ten. Heifers for one fifteen to one twenty-five. Thousand-pound heifers one forty-five to one sixty. Just a note here: last two sorted sales will be this Thursday, the twenty-first, or Thursday, April the twenty-eighth. Please book now. This has been Lee's market report from Swift Current seven seven three three one seven four. Good day and good marketing. Coming up next, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. 
Now the resource report brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit secondlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid and by Mandaco. Talk to your Mandaco dealer or visit mandaco.com to learn more about Mandaco Land Rollers Intelligent Equipment. The co-op refinery complex in investing more than $100 million over the next 40-plus days as part of a refinery that will be taken down for repairs, maintenance, and upgrades. The investment is an integral part of ensuring that the refinery continues to operate safely and reliably. The takedown for 2022 begins today and will create more than 1,200 additional temporary jobs on the site. Co-op says that with increased activity on site, they will be using Fleet Street for contractor parking to help with traffic. Their security provider will manage the area around Gate 7 and in an effort to minimize inconvenience or traffic delays for the public. On the market, the TSX is up 66 points to 21,921. The Dow Jones is down 36 points to 34,414. Oil is up 265 to 109.60 per barrel. The Canadian dollar has dropped three one hundredth of a cent at 79 cents. At 79.26 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. I'm Tanner Waldo-Scribner for Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything A. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive pre-emergent herbicide.